It's a Monday, a wet and rainy Monday here in uh, New York City, coming from you or to you from the South Bronx on my side and from the Heights uh, on the side of my brother, Kenny T. What's good, Kenny? Can't complain. Another day, another Monday here to knock out to get him knocked out with mano a mano you know we use both manos here we knock them out with both not only one power in both hands 100 percent. you know uh long work day for me guys i uh was rushing home uh and i uh, was on the undefeated podcast uh by my brothers trav and kg i always try to plug those two dudes when I can because they run a really good show. It's the Undefeated Podcast out there in the UK. And uh, they caught me on my way to the train station. People in the chat were accusing me of ducking a debate. Maestro doesn't duck debates. Come on now. Come on now. Ain't many train stations busier than Grand Central, which is where I was. Because these days when I rush home, Kenny, as you know, I take the Metro North. I've abandoned uh, the subway. Uh, when I'm in a rush, I take the business class of public transit, uh, the uh, Metro North, to get to the Bronx as quickly as I can. But look, we got a lot to talk about today, Kenny. Uh, you know, it might not seem that way, but we've got a few things that we want to discuss. Yeah, we do. Baxin, Baxin, boxing. It seems yeah. to be back. It's the yeah. first weekend of good excitement that we had, although, you know, a couple pay-per-views that shouldn't have been but it was a good weekend nonetheless so let's get started with that uh and i'll just say what i said sunday morning got up sunday i actually fell asleep on my sofa it was a long day of boxing first it was the chris eubank jr card he took on liam williams we'll get into that one a little bit later i was actually surprised that they weren't showing the shit on espn plus uh i had thought that espn plus was gonna pick that one up they didn't. So 10 minutes before the card was supposed to start, I was out there looking on ESPN Plus trying to find a fight only to figure out that it was on Fight TV for $30. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> uh, so it's $30 plus another 75 later on in the evening to watch Thurman Barrios, which, again, we're going to get into later. And, Kenny, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it real with all of the subs here on Maestro A Boxing. You know, I got to apologize. I said I was going to buy Thurman Barrios, and I didn't. Uh, once I saw that as a boxing fan, I was supposed to essentially drop $105 on pay-per-views in addition to my monthly DAZN sub. I was like, nah, I can't do it, fam. I can't do it. But luckily, I got a great dude here. He go by the name Fulanito. Fulanito. Uh, when it comes to it, knows how to hook up the good uh, and and uh, let's just call them, um, you know, broadcasts, uh, you know, discount broadcasts when need be. And, um, you know, I got hooked up with some crystal clear, really cheap broadcasts on Saturday, and I'm I'm pretty happy about it. You know, I'm pretty happy that I got to see both fights, uh, not because they were necessarily great, but I'm, I'm happy I got to watch them without paying $105. And I'm not promoting any illegal activity, so don't come at me, guys. But what I am saying is that $105, in addition to my annual uh, zone subscription, is quite a lot of an investment. 
on one night, uh, Kenny. <laughs> my Maestro's over here hitting the pay per views with the fiends. It's like, ah, ah, should I, ah, should I go for it? I, nah, fuck that. I'm, I'm, I'm out the way. I'm, I'm dodging this. I, I, ain't, I ain't going for that. Nah, but yeah, I feel you, man. Uh, too much pay per views. This is definitely going to be the year of the pay-per-view, unfortunately. You guys called it earlier. I didn't think it was going to be. I, I, I feel like the first quarter is going to fail, and by the end of the year, I feel like everything's going to change, or at least I hope. But definitely has some good matches. I saw them all. You already know what I do. Uh, I refuse to pay big money for things that aren't worth it. I only pay big, monies, big money and good, uh, on good investments. Absolutely. I want to make a big, uh, give a big shout out to uh, Nando. Matter of fact, let me do that again for the big dog, the OG Nando, okay, uh, who was here first, all right? Um, and then, Kenny, you could go back to uh, the other people that are in the chat. I want to thank everyone, SSC. I want to thank Osborne. I want to thank the GOAT, Mario P., my brother Chauncey Pearls. James Valdez is up in here. My brother Tony pugilist boy out from the uk is joining us on my uk people okay three years on my side working for tfl transport for london you know getting those oyster cards to swipe giving those directions all right i miss my brethren's out there in london so thank you tony for tuning in live now let's start off with the fight that was the least expensive to watch kenny and i'm talking about the, the zone card, which this past Saturday saw Carlos Cuadras taking on Bam Rodriguez, Jesse Bam Rodriguez. We're going to call him Big Bam, Big Bam. Big Bam stepping up in weight, essentially going up two weight divisions to contest for his first world title, his vacant title against Carlos Cuadras. And look, the, the zone fight, commentary made it seem a little bit closer than I actually thought it was to be fair um I had Rodriguez essentially put in on a clinic bro um even a, it, apart from the knockdown his footwork his in and out movement his body attack and head attack and hooks and uppercuts and I mean it was total package I don't know about you Kenny but I'm calling it right now uh Maestro says a star was born Saturday night a shooting star, bro, because he looked phenomenal. He looked amazing. He went up two weight classes. And you know what? Quadras was not no slouch either. He tried to put it on. He tried to bring it on. He came with his A game, and, and he came out shooting. But Jesse was all for it. Jesse came out shooting too, and his footwork was fucking phenomenal. My Lord, that footwork was phenomenal. There was uh, definitely some Lomachenko-esque type moves in there and there was some other different type of moves uh the one replay which we've seen millions and millions and millions of times that's all over the internet where he, he shot him he hit him with the jab he, he dashes forward and switches stands and with the same arm uppercuts him and knocks him down that's just just crazy and and his footwork he he, he was pivoting a whole lot he looked amazing out there not only was he the smaller man he had the shorter reach he had the less experience, but he had the bigger heart and the bigger dog. And he went out there and showed his belief in himself and showed the serious skills that he has. A star was definitely born, a shooting star, because he came out shooting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought that he put up an absolutely incredible 
performance on uh, on Saturday. And shout out to the zone for giving us the card. The undercard was was okay. Uh, I had some issues with the judging on one of the other undercard fights. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, these things happen. If we have time, we will return to that. But look, I, I thought Jesse Rodriguez did it, did his thing. Bam Rodriguez. And the question is, I mean, where does he go from here? I mean, does he should he stay at 115, given that he went up two weight classes, essentially? I mean, he can make 108. He can make 112. He could push to be essentially a three-weight world champion. He's only 22 years old. He's the current now youngest active world champion. And people say, oh, well, my Estro, he's not really a world champion because... You know, uh, Gaia Estrada is the, the, the franchise champion. Well, Gaia Estrada accepted the franchise championship because he didn't want to take on Sorung Vasai. He wanted to take on Chocolatito. What can I tell you? I'm not a huge fan of franchise. It leads to these situations where you got guys like Bam Rodriguez and you guys got guys like Devin Haney, who now hold WBC titles, who call themselves world champions, but who people can now you know, criticize a little bit, throw shots at a little bit and say aren't real world champions. Kenny, what's your stance on that? Uh, do you have a problem with this kid calling himself a world champ, uh, given that Guy Estrada was the WBC champ but became the franchise champ when he didn't take on Sor Rungvisai, um, who, by the way, Bam Rodriguez replaced? Um so he he didn't take him on. He wanted to take on a Chocolatito. What are your thoughts on that? I'll answer both questions for sure. Um, I think that whoever isn't giving Jesse Bam Rodriguez credit for his WBC strap is a fool, is a fraud, and brings shame to boxing and to the whole belt stuff. Like they they're falling right under the Mauricio Suleiman, aka Dracula, because he sounds like a Spanish speaking Dracula. Um, they're going to fall into his diamond strap nonsense. Uh, I, I I don't care about that diamond stra- or, or what, no, franchise, franchise. No, no, no. Hold on. Franchise. 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 Fr- franchise champion. Got to get it right, dog. Got to get it right. Franchise. <laughs> but yeah, man, this, 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 this is nonsense. The whole franchise stuff is nonsense. Uh, I give Jesse Big Bam Rodriguez all the credit that he deserves. And, Regarding where he should go from here, I think that he should follow his game plan. He had an interview before he won the belt. And his interview, they said, they asked him, if you win the belt, do you plan to stay at 115 or do you plan on going back down to 108 and then 112? And he said, after I win the strap at 115, I'm immediately, I'm vacating the belt and I'm immediately going back down to 108 to compete, to continue uh, to win the uh, belts down there, and then 112, and then I'll be back at 115 later in my career, and I will re-win this belt. So I think he should follow the exact plan that he said before his fight and not change his mind. It it seemed like he was changing his mind a little bit after the fight because he mentioned he, he, he was sitting there with his belt, and he was like, my life has changed. My life has changed. I don't know. I don't know. I feel different now. I feel different now. I love this belt. I, I, I'm going to stay with this belt. I love it. So I, I hope that, you know, him, his love for the belt and his love for being a champion doesn't change his mind and that he continues on the same path that he was, uh, of what he was saying he was going to do before the fight. Because look, man, the guy can be great. And, and you always have to follow the, the Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao blueprint 
which is and everybody's doing it these days you know you want to become a three four five six seven eight division world champ or whatever so he that's exactly what he should do yeah i i agree i think that he's probably going to be even more dominant at 108 and at 112 than he is going to be at 115 if he even is going to be dominant at 115 because yes he beat quadras but shout out to Nando. He says, I'm sorry, my throw great performance by Bam, but this was a glorified eliminator fight. I'm a fool. No, you're not a fool. That's that's a that's a valid argument. I mean, it is a valid argument um, because of the franchise nonsense. And when you look at the landscape at 115, we're talking about Kazuto Ioka, who I think beats him. We're talking about Chocolatito, who definitely is going to give him a better fight than Quadras did. We're also talking about Sorung Basai. He's a beast. You know, I literally was live. I think you were at that one with me when he beat Chocolatito um, uh, at the Garden. Um, you know, and then just destroyed Chocolatito in the rematch to that fight. The landscape at 115 is, is, is deep. It's, I think, the most competitive division in the sport. And given that he's 22 and he's got time to mature and develop and gain experience, Kenny, I agree with you. I had the exact same thought. I think he should go back down to 108, uh, vacate this title, and, um, you know, uh, build his career up the traditional way. You know, you start young, you you fight in the weight classes you can make where you have a, a competitive advantage, you know, shrinking yourself down. And you gradually work up as you get older. Otherwise, I mean... Yes, he's 22 and is able to fight at 115, but what about later later on? I mean, what's the ceiling going to be? 30 instead of being 22 or 130 instead of 22 or 135 instead of 126? Do it gradually. Uh, move up uh, slowly. I also want to give a big up to Osborne, who's also joining us from the UK and who also thanks us for starting earlier, Kenny, and... Yeah, I mean, guys in the UK, I mean, you're one of the main reasons uh, we decided to make the switch. That and having more time, um, you know, uh, later on in the evening for ourselves and different things that we got to take care of business-wise and family-wise here in New York, you know, we're definitely going to stick with an earlier time slot moving forward. So moving on. Uh, in addition to that, okay, we're going to go to the cheapest pay-per-view card of the day. And I say cheapest, it was still $30. And I'm talking about the Chris Eubank Jr. Liam Williams card, which also featured Shields versus Cozen and the debut of uh, Daniel Dubois' younger sister, Carolyn Dubois, who looked really, really good. Shields looked dominant in her win, but it was against a very young, very inexperienced opponent. And she got called out for it. After the fight by Savannah Marshall, who told her directly to her face, I don't know if you saw this, Kenny, but if you fight like this, yeah, against me, I'm gonna wipe the floor with you, Kenny. I I really enjoyed that back and forth. It's not something you often see in women's boxing. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, Kenny? I thought the back and forth was uh, enjoyable as well. I was slightly, I have to say, I was slightly annoyed that at one point uh, Clarissa Shields wouldn't stop talking because I was trying to clearly hear what Savannah was saying. And Clarissa Shields was just screaming so loud that she was screaming over Savannah Marshall, although the mic was like three feet away from her mouth. So 
But it was a great exchange, a great back and forth. I think that's going to be a great fight. I love the way they're building it up. I love the way that Savannah was there, you know, in the crowd, faking like she's sleeping, she's talking about, you know, <laughs> all that. But it's a great build up to the fight. It's going to be a good fight when it does come. And it's great that that they're doing this. They're building up the sport. It, it like momentum is going right now for women's boxing. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, right now Jake Paul is out there in England. He was in London today doing the media tour of the various sport channels like Talk Sport and others. There with Eddie Hearn and Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor, bigging up that fight, which is scheduled to take place. April the 30th, here in New York City, live at Madison Square Garden, okay? I'm really hoping to take uh, to be able to participate in that great event. As a media member, I'm going to apply for a credential. I'm looking forward to that fight. Um, but what I also got to say is I hope that, how should I put this? That cooler heads prevail, that ego is put to the side, and that they... Pick another date for Stevenson and Valdez. And I'm not going to get into the whole debate about which is a bigger fight. That's subjective. That's personal opinion. What I will say is that this fight was announced first. Uh, So the people that are going second should just find another date. Go next week. Go the week before. Just don't go the week of that fight. Now, I haven't looked at the full schedule. I don't have it in front of me. So I don't know if there are any other direct conflicts. But I would like to be able to enjoy Serrano, Taylor, and Valdez Stevenson and not be torn between two places or watching one on my laptop or on my phone and one live. What are your thoughts on that whole date issue, Kenny? I think the whole date issue is nonsense. You already know how I feel about Bob Arum uh, and the way he does business and the things he says and the way he carries himself. So, you you already know I'm against Bob Arum and announcing this fight after the, the women's fight had been announced and saying it's going to be on the same day and saying the things that he said about women's boxing. And, you know, some people may agree with the points that he has. Some people may not. But you're not supposed to say stuff like that as a businessman. And the fight was announced first, so it should keep the date. Uh, and if Bob Arum wants to uh, have that fight, well, they had the date first. There should be some type of con- contractual something. But this is why boxing needs like a whole organization to run all of them, because there would be some type of contract that says you can't overlap or you can't like two fights cannot go on at the same time. It will give fans everything that they want. You know what I'm saying? It, it will be a full Saturday of boxing instead of boxing after 9 p.m. Eastern time in the in New York, at least where we're from, you know? So just some things to think about. Uh, my thoughts regarding how uh, boxing needs a whole organization in order to uh, make it run smoother, but there shouldn't be any conflict. And if they can't uh, find some way to schedule them so they don't overlap then bob arum should be the guy to pick up his fight and move it because bob arum and that fight will sell regardless just like the ladies fight will sell regardless but the ladies fight was already announced and already has the time slot there you go so just returning really quick to this card it was eubank jr it was liam williams and to me it was essentially an irrelevant fight um which is why i didn't want to pay 30 dollars for it no disrespect to to Williams, but he's not a world-level competitor. I think his ceiling is essentially British domestic, maybe European. 
Um, and unfortunately, right at this juncture, as a 33-year-old, I pretty much have to say the same about Chris Eubank Jr. Yes, he dominated Williams. Okay, great. Um, but what is that really supposed to mean? I mean, he's 33. He's not 23. He beat up a guy that essentially a prospect with championship aspiration should be able to beat. And he was giving all kind of excuses uh, afterwards in terms of why he didn't knock him out. He said that it was because he wanted to punish him and teach him a lesson. Okay, you believe that if you won. I mean, I don't know many boxers that would rather go to distance than uh, get a knockout. So I'll leave that assessment and judgment up to you, the viewer. But regardless of what the reason was, he didn't get him up out of there. Um, He did dominate him, but I don't actually really like his chances very much at world championship level at 160. Definitely not at 168. Um, At 160, you're talking about, let's just say he hasn't moved up, but Andrade, but he's supposed to move up so we can toss him to the side, I guess, in this discussion. Morata, way more durable, way more talented than Leon Williams. Um, way more tactical than Leon Williams. Um, you look at Charlo. Charlo on a bad day against Montiel uh, is going to be a problem for Chris Eubank Jr., even on that day. And then obviously there's Triple G, who, again, I mean, imagine Triple G in the ring on Saturday. Uh, I don't I don't know. I don't, I'm not high on Chris Eubank's chances at this point. He walks around like he's a five-time world champion, He's not. Um, He talks like he's already headed to the Hall of Fame. He's not. Uh, Those are my thoughts on Chris Eubank Jr., Kenny. So you mean to tell me that you didn't like his best impersonation of your favorite boxer or one of your favorite boxers? Uh, No. I mean, uh, I, I, I did grow up. Uh, really enjoying and being entertained by Roy Jones Jr. fights. There's no doubt about it. I have yet to feel like I'm watching a Roy Jones Jr. fight when, you know, I'm watching Chris Eubank Jr. Roy Jones <laughs> would have held his hands behind his back and 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 knocked out uh, Liam Williams. I mean, Roy Jones, uh, it, it it's scary to think what Roy Jones would have done to a Liam Williams-level opponent. Okay, so, so, so you telling me that you didn't you didn't like the 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 lead hand being down and him trying to do the whole head? No, no, because no, 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 because he's gonna get pieced up if he decides to do that against a higher level opponent. And he was getting touched by Williams, by the yeah. way. Yeah, was getting touched by Williams, and Williams even won rounds after he was knocked down multiple times. Uh, in, uh, in in my view of the fight, so and Eubanks didn't even try to finish him when he knocked him down multiple times. He just kept on doing his little lead hand down, little pitch with a jab here, little Bob pitch with it. Like I don't know what. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't impressed. I wasn't impressed. So I'm just gonna open up the phone lines in case anyone wants to call in. It's seven one eight six one eight four two eight four. Numbers on the screen seven one eight six one eight. Four two eight four. We're live in New York City, and I'm also going to drop the link in case people want to hit that YouTube link and join us that way instead. And before I get to the next topic, Kenny, a little more on you, bank. Though a little more on you, bank. Go ahead, cook on it. 
Uh, I just feel that Eubank, uh, uh, he should have just continued going hard in his career after his losses uh, against Groves and after his loss against uh, uh, Billy Joe. You know, he should have just kept going strong. He was younger. He was uh, in much greater shape. You remember, he used to be in extreme shape back then. Outrageous shape, you know. And it just made sense. And he had his father's name. Could have made a lot more money and could have probably been a lot better than he is. You know, they have access to much better trainers, to much better training. They have access to gyms all 24-7. They have the money. You know what I'm saying? The guy could have been much greater than he is. But I think it's too late. I think it's time to fall back. Uh, shit, if anything, uh, try another career. And some. He, he wears some nice jackets. Go model some jackets or something. Well, my whole thing is that Chris Eubank Jr. has regressed. I mean, yeah. he I mean he he lost to George Groves. We remember that. That was way back in 2018. Right? He lost to Billy Joe Saunders. That was way back in 2014. And by the way, you know, I was talking about this with people on Sunday morning. They're like, oh, he could get the Billy Joe Saunders fight. Why would Billy Joe Saunders fight Chris Eubank Jr.? He beat him already ages ago. And he just made a multi, multi, multi million dollar payday to take on Canelo. If he's going to fight again, and I'm talking about Billy Joe, it's not going to be for Chris Eubank Jr. I'm sorry. People think that. I I don't know what motivation they think Billy Joe would have to get up for a fight against a guy who he already beat. But back to my original point, you know, he came off the George Groves loss with a win against J.J. McDonough. I don't think anyone's rating him. And then he came back and won a pretty big fight against James DeGale. And since then, to me, it's just been a regression. Total yeah. re- total regression since then. I want to bring on Major Key Boxing, who's joining us here. Major Key, what's good, fam? We can't hear you, Major Key. Not too sure what's going on there. Nothing from Major Key. Don't quite know what, what the deal is. Now, sure, make sure your microphone is connected. But Nando asked a really good question in the chat while he does get his microphone working. He says, is Roy Jones Jr. really trying to teach him his style? That's like Jordan showing someone how to dunk from the free throw line. And you know what? I definitely right. agree. With, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. It's like uh, it's like teaching an old basketball player new tricks. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know what I'm saying? It's like teaching... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it just doesn't work to, to, to teach the Roy Jones style so, so, so awkward, so different, so weird. And, so, and very unique to his very unique once in a generation athletic abilities. Like Chris Eubank Jr. is a great athlete. We spoke about that over the weekend, Kenny. Um, but he's still not the level of athlete that Roy Jones Jr. was. So, um, and not only that, he's coming to Roy Jones later on in his career. Like, that, you know, Roy Jones started to slip later on in his career because that style that Roy Jones Jr. had really uh, didn't age well, uh, so to speak. But moving on, um, you know, I think we, we've we exhausted this. I'll, I'll go to, to Tony on the last point here on this fight. He says, Billy Joe versus Eubank in the UK might have some interest, like Can versus Brooke, not for the purists, but popular with the casuals. Perhaps, uh, but does it generate the type of money that a, another opponent would for for Billy Joe? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. And like we don't know if Billy Joe's going to come back. 
I th- I think Billy Joe would actually entertain that fight. And I'll tell you why. Uh it for Billy Joe, that's like a cherry pick. If you saw what happened in the first set fight with Billy Joe and Eubank, it was a whole bunch of hey, 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 can't hit me. Like hey. Looked like a guy that just started boxing. Yeah, a whole a whole bunch of can't hit me. Uh shit. It, 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 so for for Billy Joe Saunders, a, oh sorry about that. For Billy Joe Saunders, a guy who got uh terribly hurt in his last fight and broke a bone, you're gonna want to cherry pick to get you know get the little ring rust off because he's gonna take more than a year off with that orbital bone thing. So he's gonna want to get the ring rust off and he's gonna want a big payday. And if that could sell, make big money in the UK, I don't see why Billy Joe's wouldn't entertain it. There you go. Let's let's try to get Major Key. Major Key, you there? Yeah, can you hear me this time? Yeah, loud and clear this time, fam. What's good? All right. That's what's up. That's what's up, man. Yeah, I think that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, Kenny has a point when it comes to uh, uh, Chris uh, Eubanks, man, Jr. Um, look, man, his father whistles great. Maybe he should get a whistling career. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, when his father talks, he whistles um, excellently. You know, uh, there might be some kind of harmonic, um, you know, um, uh, subway type of deal, you know, in Manhattan and the Lower East Side where, 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 you know, he could just post up and get a lot of uh, money out of out that, you know. But, but right now, man, Chris Eubanks Jr. is not impressing me at all. He hasn't been doing it for years, and I'm not impressed right now, bro. That's all I got to say about that. All right, all right. We're on the same page for sure. Hitting us with the jokes today, Major Key. Uh, any any <laughs> any other thoughts on anything else from this past weekend or in the sport of boxing in general? Yeah, man. Well, uh, look, um, Keith Keith Thurman. Um, I thought he might pull it off just because it was Barrios, but uh, he's got a lot of work to do uh, uh, if it comes to any of the elite fighters. Um, but but I, I knew that the fact that he was an ex elite fighter, um, you know, just too much time off. He, He's going to again, but I think he'll give anybody a problem. But he's not going to be the same Keith Thurman. So you know, shout out to him and, and great career and all that. But he's not going to be the same type of dude. Um, and then uh, my last thing is with the, what uh, Adrian Broner said, uh, we got to pay attention to when he was talking about the PBC man. We got to pay attention to that. Yeah, Adrian Broner's a clown. He likes to talk uh, and cap a lot, you know, for his fights to hype stuff up. But when he was talking about the PBC. It's the same thing I've been saying for a minute is that their plan is not sustainable. And he kind of like dove into that, you know, so uh, it's not a sustainable plan. They're trying to rob us for the pay-per-view numbers and all that, man. Why don't you cook on that a little bit more, Major Key, about uh, about Adrian Broner? Because he's been calling out for a minute. Yeah. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um with with the whole PBC platform, right? Look, they 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 have investments. He's an advisor. Uh, they, it's it's kind of like uh, I've said this on my channel before. It's kind of like a pyramid scheme where you're you're hoping to make money from the next fighter to pay the first fighter, right? So the next fighter, their income generates that revenue, so you can pay that fighter what you owe them, and then just kind of like. You know, let let, let the uh, trickle down effect happen to the to the fighter that just got you the money, and you keep bringing in fighters. That's why they have two hundred and fifty fighters in their stable, right? They got too many people there. It's oversaturated, and they don't have enough money to pay all of them. So what they're doing is they keep trying to generate revenue out of pay per view, and and promising a low amount up front. 
and it's not sustainable. It's just not sustainable because right now the fans don't want to pay that, especially in the era of, 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 bro, like we don't need to pay premium TV with a Showtime. Most people don't even have cable no more. They just have smart TVs and, and they're streaming shit off their phone, bro. Like, like you know what I mean? It's not sustainable. I got YouTube TV. I haven't been a cable or disc subscriber in years. You know, I, I watch... That's what I'm saying. Netflix, Amazon Primes, you know, uh, most... I got a little yep. Plex server on my joint. Like, I I don't pay a cable bill. Like, I, those days are gone. I'm not doing that anymore. You feel me? That's what I'm trying to say. And everybody is like that. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's like that. So this is the new era. And they're living in the old era. And I guess their their business model didn't foresee what was the transition was going to be, especially with with uh, uh you know how Netflix got big over the pandemic because Netflix was already big, but that shit blew up. Remember before the the pandemic, we still had the Red Box that was popular. Yeah, yeah, that shit ain't popular right now. Well, I mean, there was a time when I used to go with my little sisters down to Blockbuster Video and, you know, ask my mom to help me rent movies and stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, that was a long time ago, bro. Just like the cable system for me. Like, I do not pay a cable bill. Um, I can't see myself doing it anytime soon. And the other thing with the pay-per-view, let's keep it real, okay? You go on the internet, you all, everybody on this chat knows the websites. I mean... You can pretty much stream in HD quality, you know? Um, now, the reason the zone works as a model for me is because they make it convenient. You know 100% you're not going to deal with buffering. You know 100% you could rewatch the, the, the thing if you fall asleep the following day, or you could watch it as many times as you want. And people are willing to pay like $8, $10, $12 a month to do that. What they're not willing to do is drop $75 to watch Keith Thurman take on Mario Barrios, in my humble opinion. 1,000%. Yeah. That, that, that I paid $100 in July, and my shit is not running out till July. So I'm <laughs> watching every fight for free. <laughs> it. It, it seems like Bob Aaron wants to take uh, off after the PBC pay-per-view model because he, he joined in with a pay-per-view recently. That shouldn't have been one either. I forgot which which fights it was. White versus uh, Fury allegedly is going to be on pay per view. Yeah, there it goes. Also, also uh, Crawford against Porter was a pay per view fight, was it not? So I, I yeah, believe, yeah. I believe I paid for that one. It was Major Key. Thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us live. Please let <laughs> everyone know where they can hear. Everything that you have to say about the sweet science, Major Key. Listen, my brother, we're going to be live as Major Key Boxing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're going to be live at 8 p.m. with James Tony tonight. We have the interview with James Tony. We'll be uh, doing David Benavides throughout this week. And, uh, of course, my brother, Troy Graham Experience. Shout out to him as well. Everybody subscribe to him as well. Oh, that's man, But I appreciate you having me up here, man. Uh, it's always love, man. And, uh, yeah, man, I just have to get that off my chest, man. That's beautiful, fam. I'm now happier than ever that I don't go live for Mano a Mano live at 8 p.m. So uh, <laughs> big up, Major Key. Thank you for joining us. All right, that was Major Key Boxing, okay? Uh, and he was coming in. Yeah, absolutely, Chicano. Um, you know, great uh, channel. Um, you know, people got to check it out. So, look, let's go to the final uh 
fight that I want to discuss. And then I'm going to end this live uh, talking about what I consider to be a little bit of a pattern when it comes to Mario Lopez with, I don't know, just stepping on racial stuff. Uh, A.C. Slater. A.C. Slater, he did some 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 stuff uh, last week on his Triller show that was actually very surprising to me, given what's going on. And uh, we're going to take him to school, man. We got to take this guy back to school. Okay, and there's going to be no save by the bell on this one. So, uh, But before we get to that, we do have a little bit more boxing to talk about. And uh, let's get it on... Um, First of all, actually, we got two more things I wanted to talk about, Kenny. Let's just get right to the pay-per-view from Saturday night. It was Keith one-time Thurman taking on Mario Barrios in a fight that a lot of people on the roundtable were calling a 60-40 fight. I'm so uh, glad that we, that we guessed correctly. I, go, was, go ahead. It was go ahead. on the undercard. It was uh, Santa Cruz Carvajal. Um, but I was most impressed by Ramos, to be honest. That dude is another star in the making. Jesus, can that boy fight? Uh, 20 years old and um, very impressed by the young Ramos, man. But let's get to the main event. Um, Santa Cruz, Carvajal, I mean, honestly, who cares? Uh, Whatever. I mean, Santa Cruz got the win. Does he stay at 130? Does he go to 126? Um, Is he, I mean, look, he's he's an exciting guy. He's a nice guy. But to me, he hasn't really been in, in, it's going to be interesting to see whether he's in meaningful fights or not. We got we can save that for another discussion. All I really got to say about the Mario Barrios Keith Thurman fight, it should have never been on pay per view. Just as I was saying, this was not a fifty fifty fight. Nope. This was not a sixty forty fight. This was not a seventy thirty or eighty twenty or eighty five fifteen. It's exactly what Maestro told you it would be. It was a ninety nine. to 0.01% fight, okay? Keith Thurman dominated this dude. He busted him up. It was target practice for most of it. He caught one body shot. I get it. You know, people get hit in boxing. But at no point in this fight did it look like Mario Barrios had any shot at winning. And why would he? I mean, he literally just moved up from 140 where he got knocked out by a guy that moved up from 130. So, again, this should have never been on pay-per-view. It was never a competitive fight. I don't know how people got sucked into the idea that it ever was a competitive fight. Uh, It is what it is. I don't really think we need to spend too long on this. It should have never been $75. Kenny. Keith Thurman definitely came in and did his thing, man. He came in sharp. He came in strong. As I said in the weigh-in, he looks like he's ready for business. And he came in showing that he was ready for business. He wasn't the same Keith Thurman that we're used to knowing and used to seeing, but he did look fairly good. Not good enough to contend with the top talent in that division, but he definitely looked better than I thought he was going to look. Because... yeah, he ended he he ended that last fight with Manny Pacquiao in very poor condition, huffing and puffing, getting beat up. So I was I was not impressed he by that. Way better shape at the weigh in. He looked so much more cut for this fight than he did for the Manny Pacquiao agreed. fight. Agreed, agreed. He's had a long layoff, a long time to to work on it. He came in this fight ready. He wasn't huffing and puffing in the later rounds. He did get hit to the body a few times and felt it. But you know, we know that he got 
uh, uh, not a soft body, but you know that the body shots hurt him more than the 10 shots hurt him. You know, uh, as I said on Twitter, he's going to have to get that, that titanium implanted on the midsection because now everybody knows he's vulnerable to the bodies. Everybody. And you know what's Errol Spence specialty? Body shots. Yeah. And, and, and you know who? Teacher. Yeah. Terrible and you know, I was just about to say, I was just I was saying, you know who's even a better body puncher and even a harder hitter, in my opinion? Terrence Crawford. So I, I just, uh, 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 he said that he's going to implement some high intensity interval training in there and some real rugged training that's going to prepare him better for next fight. We'll see what difference that makes. I do believe that training makes a drastic difference in the outcome of the fight and in the feeling of the fighter so we'll see what difference that makes but i do not think that he can compete with the top level in that division mario mario barrio should have taken a uh not necessarily a tune-up or a cherry pick but a a lower level opposition fighter to fight at 147 pounds instead of keith thurman for his first fight in that division now he got two losses back to back i was heartbroken at his post-fight interview I found it very, very sad. The kid almost cried. You could hear it in his voice. It was shaky. It sounded like he was going to sh- cry. And they asked him, well, what is coming up next? And he he pretty much didn't have an answer. It was like, oh, back to the drawing board. I mean, he's been used as 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 cannon fodder by the BBC. Um, and the fact is, it was very telling in the ring. And I said this on Sunday. The audio wasn't that great because I had a messed up mic that I'm going to send back. Hashtag Amazon Prime. Um... You know, in the in the in between rounds, Virgil Hunter was like, "You can do this." Uh, that's not something that somebody needs to be told if they legitimately believe that they can win a fight. You can do it. Uh, I made the analogy of like running. If you know you can run a five k, nobody needs to tell you you can do it, Kenny. Go, Kenny. Go, go, Kenny. Go. Uh, <laughs> But if you're used to running a 5K, then maybe people will need to do that if you're running a 20K and, you know, you're at uh, kilometer 15. Then you can get with the go, Kenny goes, you can do it, you know? If you're running a 5K and you're used to it, you don't even need to tell you that in the head. You're telling yourself like stuff like, oh, I want to finish stronger. Oh, I want to get a better time than last time. Not, you can do it. You can finish the 5K. So uh, that was telling. And then after the fight, the way he was acting like this was a win for him, him and his team are happy. It became clear that they only really wanted to go the distance. Um, That's not the sign of of a fighter that actually believed he could win the fight. I'm going to get to the super chat in a minute, but I got to call out my brother Joe Habib because Joe Habib is a hardcore, 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 the hardest of the hardcore boxing fans if he's saying that it was the best $75 he ever spent, <laughs> I got to know what you're spending $75 on, fam. Um, but yes, let's get right to the super chat. Not only is it a super chat, it's coming from a member. So I got to ding the bell, not once, but I got to ding that bitch twice. Let's do it one more time. La campagna una vez más. Okay. Uh, Slight Tendency says, you called that a while ago. Maestro Spence will eat Thurman alive, but that should have been a ESPN+. Plus. I agree. Did you see Fury on Max Kellerman, by the way? No, I've been meaning to catch up for it to a Slight Tendencies. Thank you for the reminder. Hoping for a fast recovery for Robert Easter. Here's what I think Mr. Spence, uh, sorry, Mr. Thurman should do. If he wants to get another world title, 
if that's what his aspiration is, because I don't think they're going to sell another Keith Thurman pay-per-view that isn't a title fight. I think the numbers for this fight are going to be abysmal. You know, my my, my boy uh, Fulanito, he told me that when the stream is crystal clear, that's usually an indication, Kenny, that not a lot of people are watching. When there's no buffering, that's usually an indication that not a lot of people are watching. Uh, when that shit rocks right from beginning to end and you don't have to refresh the screen or open up new browsers, according to Fulanito, I mean, that means that not a lot of people are watching. So I don't think they're going to reset. If, if that's how the stream was doing, goddamn, how bad was the actual uh, pay-per-view uh, number? <laughs> so, look, uh, here's what I would do if I was Keith one time. I'd speak to Uncle Al and I'd try to get Errol Spence Jr. in the ring because... Ugas is an even worse matchup for him, I think. Being long, being rangy, uh, you know, um, being coming out of that Cuban school, being an excellent, excellent boxer who can apply a very disciplined game plan and tactics from beginning to end, as we saw him do against Pacquiao. Uh, I think Spence is probably, you know, I know he's a southpaw, but it's more up and down, I think. Um, you know, I think... I'm not saying he beats Spence. I don't, I'm not saying that. I just think it's a better fight for him. And I try to get Uncle Al to make Ugas against Crawford. Um, just, just get Ugas out of the picture if I'm Thurman. Uh, that would be my uh, recommendation, but uh, who knows? I got a recommendation. Go for it. I would say uh, Thurman should fight somebody like Virgil Ortiz. Ooh, because Crawford is too much. Spence is too much, and Ugas is maybe too much. I'm not going to say retire. he should fight retired Sean Porter again. You know, I think uh, Jerron Ennis is a little too much with his movement right now for Keith Thurman. The next best thing that I think Keith Thurman, that is the winnable fight for Keith Thurman, is Virgil Ortiz. Yeah, but to me, the, the reward is too low. He, there's no title at the end of that. If you're Keith Thurman, you want a title shot. He just fought a mandatory uh, eliminator for the WBC, which is held by Errol Spence. Can't have so your cake I, and eat it too. I think it would be a great fight, Kenny. I agree with you on that front. I just don't see personally Thurman taking it. But let's hear what Shelton Moore has to say about this or about anything else about boxing. Shelton, you're live on Mano a Mano Live with Kenny T and yours truly, Don Maestro, myself. Shelton. Shelton. Yes. Sounds like it. How's it going, fam? How do I feel, brother? Uh, a little choppy, but I can make you it out. Choppy, right? Oh, there's some okay. background noise. Okay. There's some background noise. Did you put in a headset? Well, I, I'd have to go find one. So I'm, I'm probably that's probably my next move. But uh, I think I think the Virgil Lord Virgil's fight is probably it's probably in for Thurman. I mean, who's he gonna fight? I mean, he took 750. To fight bar fight Barrio, be about money, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if it's about the if it's about money, I mean, I guess he continues to try to get any name he can in the ring. My issue with this is that I don't think there's any more money in this pay per view pot. I mean, they probably took a bath on this with the guarantee they gave him. I mean, they're not dumb over there. They're not going to keep gonna... putting him on pay per view and doing bad numbers. And doing bad numbers. Uh, according to AB, you would be right. There, there you go. Uh, just, just stay on mute for a second, and I'll let Kenny uh, chime in, um, Shelton, and then right back at you. Go, go for it, Kenny. 
Uh, sorry. Uh, what was the what was the topic at hand? No, he he's saying that that he thinks that it that it would. He's agreeing with you about uh a, a Virgil Ortiz fight. So I'm letting you elaborate. Oh, yeah, that yeah. One time teasy, yeah. Uh, that that's definitely who you should fight. It's and it's the next best opponent for him. You can't go further down the ladder, right? The 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 top two dudes that everybody's talking about besides the belt holders are Virgil Ortiz and Jerron Ennis. And as I said, Jerron Ennis, I, th- I think his movement is way too much right now for Keith Thurman. Uh, um, and and he, he seems to have power. Took out Delorme in the first round, although Delorme, you know, he was a little a little past his time. But uh, yeah, Virgil Ortiz is the next best thing. He doesn't move as much. Keith Thurman could definitely land some hands on him, and of course, he'll get some hands landed on him as well. Uh, Virgil Ortiz doesn't move as much. Virgil Ortiz is there to be hit and to trade. I think that is the better matchup for Thurman. That's the best chance he has. If he goes further down the rankings and down the line than that, then he's guaranteed not to get a a title shot how he wants. Or paid. Sheldon, any last words before we get to the last topic? (laughs) Sorry, bro. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think – I don't know – Let's be clear. I don't think he beats Virgil. I think Virgil molly him because he's too big and too strong. But I agree. I think I that's agree. the next doable fight for him. Yes, I agree. All right. Last thing I want to get you to cook on before you go is this weekend's uh, card out of the UK featuring Daniel Jacobs taking on John Ryder. Let me get your thoughts and then we'll let you go. And then Kenny uh, will cook on that with me to close out the show. I got a call, but a call, bro. I got- All right, well, you take that, and we'll let you go now. Thank you, Sheldon, for joining us. All right, Sheldon's a busy man. Um, but why don't we just, handle business? Why don't we just get to that now? Because this Saturday, live on the Zone, uh, Daniel Jacobs is coming back. Uh, he's taking on John Ryder at the Alley Pally, otherwise known by its real name, Alexandra Palace. It's in London. I've been there. I actually saw Junior Witter fight there for the WBC title once a many moon ago. Um, it's not a very big venue, guys, for those of you who don't know it or haven't been there. It's a small, small venue. It's a place where, like, there's not a bad seat in the house. Kenny, to give you a comparison, it's kind of like the uh, Hammerstein Ballroom here in Manhattan. Um, It's it's a long, it's a a venue of that kind of size. Um, Interesting to me that he's going out there. You know, he's coming off that win with Gabe Rosado. If anyone's going to upset Daniel Jacobs, it's John Ryder. He's a guy who's a southpaw. He's super busy. He's a volume puncher. He can bang. And he gave Callum Smith trouble. So I'm not saying he's going to win. um, But I am interested in this fight. And given the way Daniel Jacobs looked in his last fight, given the fact that he's going over to the UK for this, it's intriguing for me. And I'm looking forward to it, Kenny. Oh, right. I've I've been looking forward to this moment. Uh, First off, I'd like to start off by saying my predictions are on point. If there's anything that I back up, that I big up, that I talk nonsense about is my predictions. Most of my predictions come out right. I, I don't I'm not talking trash. And my prediction for this weekend is that Daniel Jacobs is going to win a split decision victory. Twelve round. Uh, definitely. There's definitely not going to be no knockout. I don't think Ryder has what it takes to beat Jacobs. I don't think this is a 50-50 fight. Uh, Ryder, 
Ryder does uh, a bullish uh, come forward, throw lots of punches type of type of fight. He doesn't uh, 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 cut the ring off. Daniel Jacobs is going to have a field day move, moving laterally, getting out of the way of those punches and throwing his one, two pity pats. How, you know, you, we know Daniel Jacobs doesn't throw a lot of punches. He moves around a lot, dodges a lot of punches and then throws one or two punches. But I do think that because of Ryder's style and how Ryder just comes forward very bullish and just tries to take you out with, with jabs and straights. I think that this uh, uh, fight is set up for, for Ryder to lose by, by a split decision. I think, it's going to be a split decision because it's definitely going to be a judge that's going to think that Ryder landed was landing enough punches and that's going to give Ryder the the fight. But I have this split decision victory for Jacobs hands down. Uh, I don't think Ryder has a shot at winning this. Uh, Jacobs is not going to stay there long enough to get hit, and Jacobs just has a bigger fan base. So it, you know the, the whole little fan thing, favoritism thing does play a part, and I think that he's going to get that split decision victory. Well, he's definitely the A side, even though he's fighting in another man's home country. Like, um, you know, he John Ryder just doesn't hold that kind of weight, that kind of clout, that kind of muscle, that kind of fan base in England. I mean, he's literally a B side guy who puts up great performances and gets, you know, the shitty end of the stick. At least he did, I felt, against Callum Smith and Chicano Prophet. Big up to my brother Chicano. <laughs> Because he nails this one. It's pretty much what I think about this fight. He says, I like this fight. And two names at 168 actually fighting each other is refreshing. Absolutely. If you're not the champion, right, or you can't get the champion in the ring, don't just wait around and sit around and expect to get a Canelo payday or or a, a fight with another guy that's a champion. No, fight the next available contenders. Fight your peers. Prove. Earn the shot at the best. And I got to ding the bell for these two fighters because that's exactly what they're doing this coming Saturday night. Again, live from Alexander Palace on the zone. Alley Pally, okay? It's Jacobs and it's John Ryder. Any last thoughts on any of this, Kenny, before I get to my final topic, you know, um, our final topic, I should say, although I did uh, introduce it. But before I get to that, I want to introduce the fans. I don't know if you can see that. You probably can't. Not really. My brother D-Style likes to uh, likes to promote his, his drinks. Um, I'm going to do the same. Oh, we got a call. Hold on. Let me get to that. Let me get to that. We got a call right now. Call us, 773. Who is this? What up, man? This is Rick. Rick, what's good, Rick? Hey, how's it going? Good, man. I remember uh, you, Ricky. Yeah, my, my phone kept cutting out, man, so I apologize for the last time. No, that's fine. Thank you for calling back. Yeah. What's good, bro? Yeah, so I just wanted to discuss some of the topics you guys talking about. Um, I do believe a star was born at 115. I'm really excited. Uh, I, so I watched that fight. Um, damn good fight. Good performance by... Uh, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, man. I was really impressed. Um, what else can you say? I don't know if you guys had a chance to see that fight, but I was really impressed with the kid. So I'm looking forward uh, to Jesse Bam Rodriguez in the uh, junior bantamweight. So, bantamweight. So you want him to stay at 115 because Kenny and I both think that he should do what he said he was going to do before the fight and head back down to 108, a weight class he can still make considering how young he is and moving uh -huh. himself back up to 115 because 
Let's be honest. There's some killers at 115. We're talking about Kazuto Ioka. Talking about Jerwin on Cajas. We're talking about uh, um, Chocolatito and Estrada out there still. So you'd, you'd like to see him stay at 115? Based on what I saw, I can see him handling himself. Now, if they want to move him down, if he wants to go back down, not a problem at all. Build him back up, come back up to 115 after he gets more fights under his belt at, at 112. Um, I, I, I'm excited either way. Whatever direction he chooses to go, he's still young. The, the guy's got it. So he's one I'm looking forward to watching. Um, got, got it. Moving on to the Thurman fight, I didn't pay for it because I knew Thurman was going to smoke um, Barrios. He didn't get the KO, probably because he's got the rust off, but Thurman was fucking sick. When I was watching the um, the press conference in the way, and I said, oh, shit, man, he's going <laughs> to fucking lay out Barrios in a, in, a, in a late KO, but he ended up going to distance, distance and just smashing his fucking nose. Did you guys see that? Yeah, it was, it was, it got, it got pretty gory. It got pretty brutal. Uh, I was really feeling bad at a certain point in that fight for Mario Barrios because it's like, who's managing this kid? It's like, I guess you're getting paydays, but it's like short term gains for like long term losses, as far as I'm concerned. If you care about this kid, you got to build him up and manage him the right way. That's my opinion, anyways. I mean, they're throwing him. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Michael. Finish up. No, I'm just saying they're throwing him in fights where he's pretty much guaranteed to get beat up, like, badly. Like, wh- what's the point? I didn't... I well, didn't... The, the... Go ahead. Especially this last no. Thurman fight. The, the the tank fight, I could see that they possibly thought there was a chance at victory. Uh, this fight, I, from the very beginning when it was announced, I'm like, this is an embarrassing fight. I'm embarrassed for Thurman. I'm embarrassed that it's on pay-per-view. It's It's a mismatch. Yeah, they could have pulled somebody else at 147 for Thurman. And I think with Barrios, my opinion is they should have kept him, or at least his management team should have kept him and worked him at 140 and worked his way up to the 140-pound ranks. That's my opinion. Um, you know, to me, the Gervonta the Paint Davis fight, I can see, okay, maybe they see he's a, a bigger guy. Uh, but to me, Davis is a 140-pounder, man. I'm going to be honest. I think he's a 140-pounder. He's small in stature, but he's, he's a little bulldog. I mean, he has the power to be 140. There's no doubt about it. But the fact is he made 130, even in, in the, though in the past he struggled to make it. I think that that was mostly mostly discipline issues. He made 130 for Santa Cruz. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and then he obviously just made 135 to take on Isaac Pitbull Cruz. So I don't think he's a natural 140. Can he fight at 140 against Mario Barrios? Can he fight at 140 against the Regis Prograde, that remains to be seen. Can he fight at 140 against a Josh Taylor or a Ramirez? I, that remains to be seen. Kenny? He, he, Gervonta Davis definitely has not proven that he can hang in there with top talent. Mario Barrios, I think, was boxing him out uh, before he got stopped. You know, you don't get credit for losing the fight and, you know, beating the guy for the rest of the, most of the fight. But I do think Mario Barrios is pretty much beating him up. And Isa Cruz arguably could have won that fight. You know, we've seen this later version of Gervonta Davis in his last few fights where it wasn't the Gervonta Davis we were seeing earlier on savagely knocking people out and aggressively going at people and, and being great at countering punches. Now he gets hit a lot. Now uh, he needs Floyd Mayweather to come to the side of the ring to tell him that he's losing the fight in order for him to turn it up and look for the knockout. Uh, I I just don't see it. I don't 
I haven't seen Tank prove himself, so I can't see Tank as a 140-pounder. He should stay where he's at, at 130 or 135, and fight some bigger names there and show us that he can take the challenge of some top-level uh, opposition as opposed to cherry-picking 99.9% of his fights. Let me not, Okay, 98. 98. Give, well, give yeah. him a little more because he had a, good, a couple good fights. Yeah, Davis hasn't done shit at 135 or 140, in my opinion. Um, obviously, Floyd wants to keep it in-house, what have you. That remains to be seen when it comes to Davis. Um, but as, as far as body is concerned, um, I don't know where he goes from here. Um, like you said uh, earlier, they're using him for cannon fodder pretty much. Uh, so, you know, that's my opinion on on, on Barrios, man. I, I think the guy needs to just stay at 140 and, and see what he can do there. Uh, I don't think he's ever had any weight issues, to my knowledge. Yeah, um, I agree. And then with Thurman, Thurman, they're already, from what I understand, from when I say they, I'm talking about the reports that I've read. They're trying to put him in there, correct me if I'm wrong, with, with the winner of Spence Ugas instead of Crawford. Is that is that what I'm understanding? Well, I, I don't think if they're smart, they'll go anywhere near Terrence Crawford. Um, <laughs> I thought Thurman. Really I thought Thurman looked really good physically. Um, you know, he was in tremendous shape Saturday night, but he probably was a little rusty as well. I mean, he didn't wasn't able to get Barrios out of there, and you could see he was trying for it at times. And as Kenny alluded to, he said he wants to improve his fitness by adding in, what was it, more hit workouts, right, Kenny? More high-intensity uh, interval training. So um, we'll, we'll see about that. I mean, he's – I don't see a pathway to victory, unfortunately, for him against Crawford. I it, it, I also don't see a pathway to victory for him against Dugas. And I see only a limited pathway to victory for him against Spence. And most of that is related to whether or not the eye injury – is totally healed. Um, but yep. uh, I think it's a tough road for him anyway. I just think that the one path that might be a little less tough than the other two is um, uh, d- 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 oh, help me out, Kenny. Was... Virgil. No, not Virgil. Uh, Ar- guys. Errol Spence Jr. Sorry, Errol Spence Jr. I think Virgil is a very tough road. I think, I think Boots Innes is a very tough road. Um, and the differences with those roads is they don't even lead to gold. That's so, not so, Camino uh, 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 El Dorado, you know. From, that, from that, what I'm understanding, you're saying that you feel that uh, Ugas is going to beat Spence. No, uh, I think that Ugas could yeah, beat Spence. I also think that Crawford would beat Spence, and I think that all three of them would likely beat Keith Army. Oh. Yeah, I, I want to touch on something real quick, man. I think too many people are sleeping on Ugas, man. Oh, big time! So, I, look, I, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it at that. I think too many people are sleeping on Ugas. There you go, and uh, thank you so much for calling in, fam. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Have a good one, guys. You too, absolutely, you too, brother. Yo, so, Milkar, you gotta ding the bell. Uh, uh, you got a super chat up stupid. here. From 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 Nando, he gave he gave you five bucks. Nando, Nando, Nando. Sorry about that. We got a call come in, and then I didn't get to it. The big dog, the OG Nando Jamas, four ninety nine. I know he's probably still weeping about uh, the forty ers Happened a couple weeks back. Um, I know he's a big Niner gang fan. Uh, they'll get them next year, Nando. So look, uh, I had a long talk with Kenny about you know touching upon these kind of political topics on this channel or whether I should do it all on, on 
pro smoke and kenny you know i thank you for saying it because you're like you know every now and again bro you got to drop some of these gems on maestro a boxing so guys look you'll know that the they're the Interview with Mario Lopez and Steve Kim with Pauli Malignaggi was quite controversial, right? And it was controversial because it talked upon the topic of race um, when uh, they were interviewing an ex-fighter slash analyst, ex-Showtime analyst, Pauli Malignaggi. And that video was taken down. Like, I did a deep dive on it with Joe Habib. I got a lot of good feedback on that one. I just don't understand, and I'm going to play a video real quick in a moment, why a guy like Mario Lopez needs to use racially defamatory slurs um, when he's talking about boxing. I don't understand why in an age where people are coming at everybody trying to get them canceled, um, you know, oftentimes for spitting facts, but also times for, you know, saying inappropriate things at times that you just step into it, you know, and take this for what it is. You know, I'm doing it at the end of of the show because it's not as much about boxing as it is about guys who comment on boxing. Why, Why a guy who's backed by corporate entities who's got a show on boxing has to use, like I said, racially uh, derogatory statements. And in this case, he was talking about gypsies. Now, a lot of people, it may just go over their head, but it doesn't go over my head. You know, I don't think there's a place for this type of thing, personally. I think people should be able to say whatever they want. Don't get me wrong. I'm not calling for videos to be dropped or for people to not say what they want. But to me, the challenge to bad speech is eviscerating that bad speech and showing why people shouldn't be saying the things that they say. That's what I'm about to do, okay? I'm not saying... People need to be taken down. I'm not saying people need to be canceled. I'm not saying people shouldn't be able to speak their minds. What I'm saying is that when you say dumb shit, I'm going to say that you said dumb shit. I'm going to tell you why it's wrong that you said dumb shit. So we're about to take him to school, back to school, and it's going to be no save by the bell. Maestro is going to ding the bell when Maestro decides to ding the bell, Okay. And I'm going to ding the bell after I cook on this topic to close out the show. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I will go to the most recent episode of... Before he continues and before he begins, I want all of you guys to please hit the like and subscribe, uh, hit the like button, subscribe to Maestro's channel and hit the bell icon so you guys get notified when he does go live. Now, Maestro, go kill him. Take over. Let him know why Mario is a bozo. Absolutely. So, look, the funny thing is he was actually saying something that I agreed with. I mean, it's embarrassing that this Thurman Barrios fight was on pay-per-view. It should have never been on pay-per-view. I agree with it. uh, But let's have a listen, and I'll tell you why I have a problem with what was said. This is the type of fight that PBC sort of owes the, the boxing public. And that should be on Fox or CBS or name that outlet. But you shouldn't charge for this. It, if you if you're paying for this, I'm not trying to discourage people to pay for this. And again, with all due respect to the fighters themselves, I know it's not them. Um, but I, <laughs> I just off a of principle doesn't matter if you can afford it or not. Off a of principle, I feel like I'm getting hustled. You know, when I go through the the 
So I don't I don't disagree with that. If that's how he feels, that's how a lot of people felt. That's how I felt about paying seventy five ninety five. There's no doubt about it. The drive through, and my my Chick Fil A costs whatever six seven bucks whatever it is right. And they I don't get my seventy eight cents back that they sort of jit me. It's not about th- there he goes. <laughs> he just said he got quote unquote jipped by Chick Fil A. Uh, he then says it more times in this interview and people will say, Oh, well, my answer, that's not so bad. Uh, what's the big deal with that? Dude, it's a big deal. Uh, Jip, this, go ahead, Kenny. I see you on mute. Pardon, please educate us and let us know uh, why that, like you did to me. Cause I had to ask before the show, cause I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant to this fact. It's, it's information, knowledge that I didn't have. So Maestro had to school me. So Maestro, so, school our audience, please, Jip, on what it means Jip and why it's bad. Egypt is a derogatory term used to describe someone getting hustled or swindled and essentially saying that a gypsy did it to them. Um, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I mean, a lot of boxing fans have you know, learned a little bit more about gypsies and travelers and, you know, uh, because of people like Tyson Fury and Billy Joe Saunders, but substitute the word Jew or, you know, I just got blacked or I just got niggered or I just got, uh, you know, I got Jewed at Chick-fil-A. Like, would that be uh, accepted? Would corporate America allow that to go through? No, they they wouldn't. I mean, you don't disparage groups that way. And. The reason I have a very specific uh, dislike for discrimination against this particular group is because it's the definition of punching down. It's the definition of picking on a group of people, an ethnic group, a racial group that's depending on how you look at race, uh, that have been essentially persecuted for a really long time. And I'm going to share a little bit of a documentary here, and I'll pause it every now and again so that people can understand what I'm coming from. This it was called uh, Porajmos, the Gypsy Holocaust. And by the way, a lot of gypsies died in the Holocaust, and it's going to talk about that um, a little bit. And I'm going to share that here real quick. Here we go. So I'm lighting this candle to remember all of the people who died during the Holocaust, and especially the people in my community, the gypsy and traveling community. Historians estimate between 500,000 to 1.5 million gypsies perished under the Nazi regime. So my name's Lewis Smith. I come from a family of uh, one side of it in the Gorgie um, community and one side of it in the gypsy traveling community. I go to university in ACM, which is an Academy of Contemporary Music in Guildford. I study uh, music business. There's a massive amount of prejudice towards the gypsy community. You see it in all walks of life. It's probably the most separated from every other community. During school, we were taught about the Holocaust. I can only really remember the perishing of the Jewish community. And actually, a high percentage, I mean, 80 to 90 percent of um, gypsies who lived in these Nazi countries perished under the Nazi regime. 
Gypsies are believed to originate from Asia, around the regions of North India. The reason for leaving the East and travelling through the eastern regions of Europe have remained unknown. Many historians believe it could be due to famine or persecution. The history of uh, Gypsy Roman traveller people, it's a history of discrimination, of disadvantage, of persecution, of outlawing um, and of expulsions. These traveller groups were skilled and worked flexibly within the work and metal industries. They were also skilled horse trainers, entertainers and musicians, which are still very popular choices even today. In the first part of the 20th century, there were many anti-Gypsy laws already in place throughout Europe. Romani people had to register with the police and were restricted from entering public places being viewed as criminals. We have to look back to the past and we have to acknowledge what's happened in the past. Gypsies were one of the communities targeted under Hitler's regime due to the fact they were not ethnically German. Having one gypsy, great-grandparent was enough to have a family sent to a concentration camp. Gypsies and travellers suffered the same persecution in Nazi Germany as the Jews did. So I'm not going to play any more of that, Kenny, but I wanted to, you know, uh, talk a little bit about that because you can complain about having to pay for a fight. You can complain about getting ripped off. But to use a discriminatory, I mean, just I just find it very like an insensitive statement like that. And maybe people don't know the roots of the word, the origins of the word, but there has been a long prevailing view held by Nazis and by many others that these people are, you know, degenerates that are worthy of getting absolutely discriminated against. And as you saw, 80 to 90% of them were wiped out in countries where the Holocaust took place. That's a higher percentage than even all of the Jewish people that, that perish. So I'm just not, I'm just not for it. Uh, Personally, I'm just not for it. And I just wanted, because it wasn't even just said once, it was said multiple times. And uh, I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's all I got to say on it for now. Kenny. Look, I agree with you. It's terrible to speak bad about any race, religion, culture, anything, anyone. Uh, let people live. Let people do their own. Let people rock. Let people be. Freedom, right? Freedom is being, speaking, saying whatever you want. Everybody should have that, and that means not talking. Yes, you, freedom of speech too, blah, blah, blah. You can say whatever you want, but you shouldn't use your words to negatively affect other people or your power or anything. Uh, Mario Lopez and Steve Kim, I don't know uh, what their show is called, but they're definitely, this is like strike two. This is like their their, their second like racist type of uh situation allegation type of situation like, like, that just flew over the top of their heads that they didn't catch yeah i mean in this case it was forced you know i mean i mean sorry it was an unforced error like you don't need you just don't need to do it you know uh and to go back to the whole thing that was going on between wilder and fury when wilder you know famously said the thing that has happened to his people after fury was talking about that what had happened to his people this is what the fury was was had been referring to um so yeah there's only one tyson fury anyways 
Uh, on that, yeah, absolutely, Kenny. There is only <laughs> one. On that note, okay, I want to close out the show. Any last words, Kenny? Drop the link to Knocked Out by Kenny. I know you plan to go live a lot more now that you're back in full health. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll drop that link right now. But uh, pretty, I'm going live with Off the Ropes MM, and Boxing MMA and MMA tomorrow on his channel. I'll send the link. Uh, we're going live at 6.45 p.m. Eastern time, I believe it is. I'll send the link tomorrow once I do have the link. Uh, and yeah, man, let, let's continue growing. Let's continue going. Hopefully, boxing continues growing and going and doesn't start charging all these pay-per-views. Everybody, have a great night. Take care. Lots of love. Blessings. Thank you. Absolutely. That's it for Mono of Mono Live. We will see you next week for more Mono of Mono Live. That is it. We out here.